The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Good morning, good afternoon, uh, brethren, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Um, it is uh, good to, to be with you here again. Um, this was kind of unexpected. found out that I would be doing this about 12, 14 hours ago, but uh, we're going to go with it. We're going to try to keep it simple. I uh, wasn't sure who was going to be here, who was not going to be here. Uh, well, I knew who was not going to be here, um, but I didn't know if there was any others that I was not aware of. And uh, I, I want to kind of keep today's message simple. Um, I know many of you may have heard bits and pieces of this message, but there are some people that either haven't or haven't heard me share on it. So um, I, I always enjoy, uh, there, there's so many people that, that minister uh, in our fellowship, and I, I love to hear uh, different people all the time. Uh, I just like to uh, hear what God is speaking to uh, different people, because a lot of times, um, you know, we can get tunnel vision. We can get, you know, so focused on seeing something in only a certain way um, that it's hard for us to take the blinders off so that we can kind of broaden our, our perspective. Uh, uh, so I like to hear what other peoples are hearing from the Lord and then realize, OK, yeah, God is speaking the same thing to them, confirming the same word to them but also giving them details that he may not have given me or maybe I was just too deaf to hear myself. And that's why I love parallel passages. You know, parallel passages where you have a particular author in the scriptures happens a lot in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, Matthew's got a certain perspective or a certain recording of something that happened and then Mark has a certain same incident and he records something else and then, you know, Luke does the same thing and sometimes John does the same thing. But when you put it all together, you get a really good understanding of what God, God was trying to convey as he's speaking through Jesus Christ. And so today our, our, our topic is going to be on foreshadowing. Foreshadowing is a literature term. Um, those that, that take literature, those that like English, um, they know what foreshadowing is, especially if you're in high school, that's talked about a lot as they, as they teach you through English literature or British literature or or whatever uh, English classes you take, they talk a lot about foreshadowing. So um, is there anyone here that would like to tell us what foreshadowing is? Because I know there's a couple of high schoolers, middle school. Well, there's one high schooler I know for sure is here. I know there's a middle school healer, uh, middle schooler here for sure. And there's a college student here for sure. Does any of you three want to raise your hand and let us know what foreshadowing is in literature? Oh, she's hesitant, but she's going to speak up. Can you give her a mic, please? This is, for those of you that are on Zoom, this is Anna Esperanza Leva, who's going to tell us what foreshadowing is. Isn't foreshadowing, like, when it says something, you've been looking at this, it kind of happens later, or, like, it's kind of like hinting to something that might happen to you. Yeah, that's pretty on target. It's a middle school explanation, and I like it. It works, it works. It works. I know there's a high school student here, but I'm not going to throw her out there if she don't want to. I know there's a college student, and I will throw her out there because she's my own daughter. Is there anything that we can add to that definition to kind of just give a 
better understanding of big picture. She basically said She basically it. said it? You, it's something in literature. It could be a quote. It could be a scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It could be some element of the book mm -hmm. that's in that scene that later on will make sense because something will be fulfilled later on. So it's something that happens early on. Happens or... And then it comes later on again. Something like that. Something maybe like that. it's a prophecy. Maybe it's something in the scene like storm clouds, which signifies something bad's going to happen. Something okay. Like that. So it's not just literature. It could be movies yeah. things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I think we've got a good idea of foreshadowing. And so I want to give you some examples of foreshadowing and some literature that we're all familiar with or movies that we're all familiar with. Anybody know, um, he's a really, really old guy. He died a long time ago. His name was uh, William Shakespeare. Anybody familiar with him? Okay, so he, he wrote this story. Um, it, it was a love story, but it was a tragedy. Uh, it was called Romeo and Juliet. Anybody familiar with that story? Oh, good. Good. I got some hands. Okay. So y'all went to high school. All right. And in the beginning of, of that play, um, Romeo says something to the effect that I would rather die than live without Juliet's love. I'm paraphrasing. You know, this William Shakespeare. He didn't say it like that. Okay, but he, he, Romeo said it early on in the beginning of the story, and then everybody knows what happened at the end of the story. He died. Because he didn't want to live without Juliet's love. So that was a foreshadowing moment that happened early on in the story. So uh, I was asking a few people over the last 14 hours, you know, do you have some examples of, uh, of things that are foreshadowing? And so we got one this morning, and it was from the movie that I think everybody's familiar with. Anybody seen that, that movie that kind of scared everybody. Nobody wanted to go to the beach and swim anymore. Uh, it was called Jaws. Okay, so everybody remembers Jaws. Well, I didn't remember this, but she brought it up to me, my daughter. And she said, uh, you know, the, the, there was two characters in the, in the early on in the story that were talking about scuba tanks and that they're flammable or they're combustible. They'll, they'll blow up. Well, if you've seen the Jaws movie, that's what happened at the end of the movie. They, they got this tank inside the mouth of Jaws and then someone shot at it to blow it up inside of Jaws so that they could defeat Jaws, right? That's another foreshadowing moment or example. And then you have one, um, anybody seen, uh, uh, it was a trilogy that became another trilogy that became like three separate trilogies, but they started with number four, five, and six out of the nine. Do you guys remember something called Star Wars? Okay, Star Wars. So not talking about Star Wars, though. We're talking about Empire Strikes Back. And in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, uh, Luke Skywalker is on some planet and he's being trained by Yoda and he goes into this cave. He was, he was not listening to Yoda, but he went into this cave and then all of a sudden he sees. Anybody remember what he saw? You didn't see? Oh, you didn't see? Wow. Okay, sorry. Oh, you can't play the game. All right. So anybody, he went into a cave and he saw Darth Vader in this cave. And it was either a vision, probably a vision. But he went into this cave and then he took out his lightsaber and Darth Vader took out his lightsaber and he was able to smash Darth Vader. But when he took off his mask, he saw his own face. That happened at the beginning. Well, if you know about Empire Strikes Back, at the end of the movie... Luke Skywalker's hand was cut off by Darth Vader, and he said, search your feelings, Luke. You know it to be true. And what would he know to be true? That Darth Vader was his father. So that was another foreshadowing. So I want to talk to you about that foreshadowing is not, 
is not something uh, exclusive to men and, and their writings. In actuality, I think it started with God. And I want to show you some of the foreshadowing moments that were in the scriptures that played themselves out over the course of the Bible until they manifested and they, they, they came to fruition and it was all always connected to our salvation. So let's go back to the beginning. What's the name of the beginning of that book? <laughs> What's the name of the beginning of that book? Genesis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Genesis. So in Genesis, we've got the spirit of the Lord is hovering over the waters of the earth. And the, and the earth was just some sort of globe of water. And anybody remember what he started doing? He started speaking. That's right. He started speaking. And so we have the spirit hovering over the waters and over the course of several days of creation, um, he separates the waters from the waters and he creates the firmament. And there was a firmament underneath the waters and there was a firmament above and beyond the waters. And so we know that there was the earth and then there was a firmament created like an atmosphere. And then there was another uh, uh, f uh, water barrier around the outside and that created uh, the earth to not need seasons. I mean, it was perfectly uh, within a, uh, a greenhouse. And uh, we find out later something happens with that water. But so he creates a firmament and the waters. And so we see in the beginning, there's the spirit. We see that there's this earth that's, that's just a globe of water, but then he did something to the water. He separated the waters from the waters. He created a firmament. And then we know that over the course of those days of creation, he ended with creating Adam. And Adam was both male and female. And then we know that they fell. And one of the things that was very interesting when they fell is God slayed an animal. And he gave that to Adam and Eve as a covering. So there's some elements here that are introduced right in the very beginning. First three chapters that really, really are integral to everything God was going to do. There was the spirit. The spirit was doing something over the waters. He, he did something with the waters and that he separated waters from the waters. And then when they fell, when they sinned, he had to slay an animal and give them coverings. So we see three aspects, three elements that really you wouldn't think much of it. You would just kind of, oh, wow. OK. Oh, wow. OK. And then you would just continue reading through the story. And the three elements are the spirit the water, and the blood. And this happened all at the very beginning, and we kind of call it the Edenic covenant. It was a covenant in Eden. And if you remember that covenant, when they fell, God said to the woman that through your seed will come forth an offspring that is going to bruise the head of the serpent or crush the head of the serpent, even though his heel would be bruised. Do you remember that? That was a covenant. That was a promise that God had made to the woman and really to the man as well. And so that's why we tie the word Edenic covenant. There was a covenant. There was a promise that God had made to, to man. 
in Eden. And so we call it the Edenic covenant. So the spirit we see in Genesis chapter one, we also see the spirit in Genesis chapter two. We see the water separating the firmament from the firmament in Genesis chapter one. And then we see the blood that happened in Genesis chapter three, where there's an animal slain so that they could be covered. And so there's three elements there. And these elements, if we go to the end of the book, are also spoken about that there's a witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. But it doesn't end there because this is a whole, anybody have a Bible? There's like thousands of pages, right? Hundreds, thousands, pages in there. And so let's keep on going through this book because this spirit, this water, and the blood came back again in a very profound way. Does anybody know when it comes back again, these three elements? Because it has been taught before here, but we're just gonna refresh our memory review, and I, lo I love that some of you are taking notes. I don't know whether those in Zoom land are doing that, but I see a lot of people in our congregation here just writing down, taking notes. When was the next time we see this, uh, Sister Wilder? She says the Red Sea. Does anybody else think that this spirit, water, and blood might have come before the Red Sea? Oh, look who raised their hand. Her own husband is going to give us some insight, maybe. What do you say, Elder John? Noah. Noah. You're right. But you got it right on the other one. So you're, you'll be our third uh, point there. So we got the second and the third point from the same married, married uh, couple here. Um, but first we're going to start with Noah. Where was the spirit involved when it starts telling us in Genesis chapter 6 that God is upset with all the earth? I mean, they're vile, they're wicked, they have nothing good on their minds, they just want to do evil continually. Where is the spirit involved in regards to Noah? Because it says there was no one righteous in all the earth in Genesis chapter 6. But it says Noah found what? Favor, grace in God's sight. And God spoke to Noah. So God began to give instructions to Noah. I'm going to flood the earth. I want you to build this ark. And so God began to give instructions to Noah. And so we see the spirit of God is no different than God himself. The spirit of God is God. Gave instructions to Noah and told him what he needed to do. And we see that bared out in Genesis 6. We see it continually bared out through uh, verses 9 and then 13 through 22. And so God is now leading Noah in what he needs to do. So there we see the spirit element again. So where's the water? Well, that's obvious with Noah, right? I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to do something you've never seen before. Water's going to come from the sky, and I'm going to break forth the, the, the earth, and it's going to spring up water, and it's going to come from everywhere. And so then we see water doing something like God did with water in the very beginning. Because in the very beginning, what did he do with the waters? He separated. 
Well, what was he separating here with the flood? He said, I'm going to bring a judgment upon the earth and I'm going to deal with all the sinners, all the unrighteous, all the wicked. I'm going to deal with them with the flood and I'm going to separate them from who? Noah, his wife, his three children and their wives. So there's that separation aspect again with the water. And so where do we see the blood aspect? Okay, Noah was spoken to by God. He was given instructions. He was led of the Lord to build this ark. He spent over 100 years building his ark and then his children grew up and they probably helped him in the latter stages and they all got saved. And then Noah did something after the flood, after they got out of the ark, after they released all the animals. What did Noah do? Does anybody remember? He did what? He sacrificed an animal. Two that were in the ark, there were two by two and then some by seven. And out of those that were in the ark, he sacrificed them. So he shed blood. And so there was another covenant made. He made the covenant of the rainbow, didn't he? The rainbow was the sign of his covenant. And then he made another covenant with Noah. What did he say to Noah? Noah, I am never going to do that again. I'm never going to destroy the earth with water. And so he made a promise to him. And it was for him and his children. And his children are all of us that are living. The seven billion people came out of the loins of Noah and his children. And so we don't need to worry about a flood anymore. But we see in the Noahic covenant, this is what we call it, the spirit element giving instructions. So the first time the spirit was 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 brooding over the surface of the waters and he began to create. He began to speak things into existence that were not. And then here the spirit is giving instructions to Noah. In the first time that we see the water element, it was separated. The waters from the waters creating the firmament. And over here there was a separation, but it was a separation between sinners that perished and the righteous that were delivered. And then we see this blood component again. And this blood component was Noah doing a sacrifice. He was shedding blood. And so those three elements, the spirit, the water, and the blood were there in confirmation of God's covenant that I will never do this again. I will never flood the earth like I have just done. So then we come to the next time that this spirit, the water, and the blood were really uh, uh, used in a major... And, and as you can see, the first time it's mentioned... You wouldn't think anything of it. You, you would have just read the, the account and you would just bypass it and move on. You would think there's no really significance there. But that's what foreshadowing is. It's dropping little seeds and little seeds are little. They're, in, they're almost insignificant. They're inconspicuous. You would think nothing of them. You just drop them in the ground and you let them do their thing. And so that's what he did in Genesis by dropping those seeds of the spirit, the water and the blood. And then it comes a little bit more maybe profound and you might think something of it, but not really. I mean, okay, God came and spoke to Noah. Okay, God, you know, separated the, 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 uh, the, the wicked from the righteous through water. And then there was this blood sacrifice that Noah did, you know, to confirm uh, God's covenant. And so we see it again. And Sister Wilda said it correctly. She said, oh, it was with Moses. Now, there's two times that we see the spirit, the water, and the blood with Moses. The first time we see it is when Moses is called upon by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 
So where is the spirit in that? It's in several places. I mean, we see the, the spirit of the Lord in the burning bush and he's speaking to Moses and he's doing what? He's giving instructions to Moses again. He's leading Moses in what he is now being called to do by God. We also see the, the spirit in, in this, we call it the Exodus story, right? Because they are exiting out of Egypt. Well, there's a, you remember the story, there's a cloud by day and a fire by night, a pillar of fire by night. So the cloud by day, what was it doing? Not just giving them shade. What was it doing besides giving them shade? It was leading them. Wherever that cloud went, the Israelites followed. So he was leading them with a cloud by day and then giving them light in the darkness when it became night. So he's leading and giving light. The spirit was doing. That was the spirit of God. And so when do we see the water? It is much more pronounced, I think, here uh, in this Exodus story. When, when do we see this aspect of water? During the Exodus story. Ralph, when? The Red Sea. What happened at the Red Sea? <clears throat> he parted the water. Oh, and there it is again. Separation. He parted the, but that was not only that separation. He parted the water. So the Israelites, if you remember, they were standing at the edge of the sea, nowhere to go. And behind them, they had a fire, a pillar of fire, keeping them separated from who was after them? Pharaoh, the Israelites, or not the Israelites, the Egyptians, the chariots, their armies, they wanted to have at them, but they couldn't get across this, this pillar of fire that was behind them, keeping them separated. But then he separates the waters before them. He says, stand and see the salvation of your God. And the waters part and they cross over the Red Sea on dry land. It wasn't muddy. It was dry land. And so all the Israelites passed through the water and then that pillar of fire kind of dissipated and then the armies came after them and they came on that dry land too and they were after the Israelites and they got to the other side of the sea and then came crashing down both walls of water. And what separated now? The Egyptians, the bondage, the slavery that they were bound under and what was on the other side? Freedom. So there was a separation, not just a separation of the waters making the walls, but a separation between their old life in Egypt and this new life that they're about to enter into. And so from that Red Sea moment, they were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night to what place? Mount Sinai. That's right. They went to Mount Sinai and then they began to travel in the wilderness. So what happened on Mount Sinai? He gave the Ten Commandments. That's right. <clears throat> and so another um, covenant was made with Moses and it dealt with the spirit, the water and the blood. Not only did he give the Ten Commandments, he gave a lot of um, ceremonial practices. 
He gave a lot of laws that all of the Israelites needed to partake of. And then he separated the Levi tribe from the rest of the tribes, that that's a tribe unto my own. They're going to serve me. They're going to be my priest. And then he instituted specific elements of the spirit, the water and blood within the priesthood. When do we see the spirit? With Moses and all of those instituted laws that he was giving these ceremonial practices. Where was the spirit? Where was the spirit located? Remember, there was a, a fire by night and a cloud by day, and it says the cloud by day would descend upon what? Does anybody remember? The what? The ark. And where was the ark held? In the Holy of Holies. Oh, wait a second. There was a Holy of Holies. Then there was a holy place. Then there was the outer court. So what I'm talking about is the Mosaic Tabernacle. You entered in through the east, and the very first thing you came uh, to, does anybody remember? The very first thing you came to when you entered into the east, into that outer court, you came and you presented yourself before what? And you presented something so that the priest could do something with it. Offerings. So you came to the altar of sacrifice. And it was a bloody pit. A bloody, bloody pit. You brought your sacrifices to deal with your what? Sin. Sin. So now we see through the Mosaic Tabernacle that we might not have really understood at the very beginning, but think about the connection. In the very beginning, God slayed an animal, his own creation, to do what? To cover Adam and Eve. We would not have put it together that, oh, maybe he's dealing with their sin, but we know there was a covering. Well, now we see when we come to the altar of sacrifice, it's because we're bringing our sacrifice for our sins. And this innocent animal is in take basically paying the penalty for our sin. And he's being slain and the blood is being put on each corner of the post all around. And so the priest is getting all dirtied and messed up with all of this blood. But he's got to do it because he's standing in the gap for all the people to deal with their sins so that God would not bring about judgment. And this was done on a very yearly basis or every feastly basis because there were seven major feasts throughout uh, the time. That was another thing that was incorporated after Mount Sinai and bringing forth the law and the ceremonial practices. It was the feast that they needed to keep. So the priest is dealing with all the blood and when he's done, the priest needs to go somewhere because he's all bloodied. Where does he go? Where? The laver. the laver. Anybody know? The brazen laver, the bronze laver. What was the laver? It was like a big tub of water. And what did the priest do there? He cleansed himself with the water. He separated himself from all of the sins of the people that he bloodied himself with, with the animals typifying the sins of the people. And he had to cleanse himself and separate himself from all of that. And it says that if the priest did not do that, he would surely what? He would surely die if he did not do that. So we come to the brazen altar as the priest, then we come to the brazen labor and we cleanse ourselves. And then the high priest would, from the brazen labor, go toward the holy place, 
where there was a shoe bread, a candlestick. Do you remember that? And then just beyond the holy place was the holy of holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And he would take some of the blood and he put it on the Ark, the mercy seat. Because that was his, that was his role, that he was an intercessor. And he had to bring it, not, not just outside in the outer court, he had to bring it all the way to the holy place, to the mercy seat. And that is where the high priest spoke to the Lord, or interceded for the people in the presence of the Lord, and that's where the Spirit of God was. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, that's where the Spirit of God was. Not that he was constricted there, not that he was constrained there, but when you read the whole account, you realize, oh, the Ark was a representation of the presence of God, and when they had the presence of God with them, they were completely undefeatable. So, in our ministry, we've called this a progressive, repetitious revelation. You wouldn't have caught it in the beginning. It was just a seed. But that seed grew and you see it again when you come to Noah. You just see those three elements and you think, wow, I, I said, those three elements are there again. And then you come to Moses and it's like even more profound. It becomes even bigger. Wow, the Red Sea, the parting and the taking care of the enemies of, of, of God and his people and, and dealing with them and, and allowing them the freedom to walk in this newness of life and, 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 and this blood. Oh, I, I, I totally forgot. But Noah, not Noah, excuse me, Moses, there was a blood aspect. I forgot that. There was a blood aspect. And the blood aspect was put over the doorpost, was it not? And when they saw, when, when not they, when the angel of the death, angel of death saw the blood on the doorpost, what did he do? He passed over. So the angel of death was going to bring about God's wrath and judgment, was he not? Was he not? And he was going to bring it down on all the firstborn. But if he saw the blood, he would pass over. So the blood is dealing again with sin. It's dealing again with sin and you now now you realize it even more. Wow, he was dealing with sin during the Exodus and now, wow, we could really see we're bringing sacrifices to deal with our sin. And this is all under the old covenant. Now you could probably look for the blood, the water, and the spirit in other aspects of the old covenant. You might just see them here, sprinkled here and there, but I think those four examples are, are, are primary examples of the necessity of the spirit, the water, and the blood. It speaks about there's a witness in the earth in 1 John. There's a witness in heaven, the Father, the Spirit, and the Word. But then there's a witness in the earth, and it is the spirit, the water, and the blood. And this is what I'm talking about with you here today. These were all elements that foreshadowed something grand that God was going to do in saving, redeeming, and delivering his people. So then we come to another very important character who was found under the law. In other words, he was in the old covenant. But he was special in the sense that he was a character that kind of fit in the transition period. 
And his name? David. Well, we could have done David. John the Baptist. Why do I say he was in a transitory period? Because he was under the old law. He was written about in what we consider the new covenant. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where we uh, uh, really read about him. But he was prophesied in days of old. Someone who, who would come before me, who would blaze a trail. He would set the stage for the one that was to come. And he would have the spirit of Elijah upon him. And so they thought Elijah was going to return. But Jesus said, no, Elijah's already returned. He was my cousin. He was John the Baptist because he prepared the way for the Lord. And that's what John the Baptist specifically did. So when John the Baptist began his ministry, he was led of the spirit of God. As a matter of fact, when Mary met Elizabeth, his mother, it says something happened in the womb. What happened in the womb? He jumped for joy and he 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 was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God was on him and leading him. He was out in the wilderness. He was on his own. He was he was kind of a weird guy out there. But he came back preaching a message. And so he was led of the Spirit. He was the one prophesied that would come after him. And he said, when 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 Elijah comes. There's one that comes after him who's going to baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost. That spirit was all over and it was it's more prominent right now. And there's something very, very uh, profound that John the Baptist did with water. What did he do with water? He was baptizing. Why was he baptizing the people? What was he what was he requiring of them when they got baptized repentance repent they came to the waters of baptism and they were vocally outwardly confessing their sins it was a testimony to everyone around that saw them so they came to the water of baptism and John was baptizing them and, and requiring that they repent of their sins. And then where does the blood aspect come in? That's the repentance. You see, because when we came from the old covenant to the new covenant, is anyone here in the new covenant? You can raise your hand. Don't be bashful. Anyone here in the new covenant? Okay. If you're in the new covenant, please tell me why you are not sacrificing any animals. Sorry? The, the, the blood has already been sacrificed. The blood has already been sacrificed. So my brothers and sisters back in the past that were under the old covenant, they had to? Yes. Why don't we? Because Jesus fulfilled that. Oh. So am I required to do anything in regards to my sins? Repent. Oh. Well, there you go. And so now it becomes even more profound. I don't have to sacrifice like God did when he covered Adam and Eve. I don't have to sacrifice like Noah did when we had that rainbow promise that he never flood the earth again. I don't have to sacrifice like Moses did where we have to put that blood on the doorpost of our literal house back at home to make sure nothing happens to our house and no fire comes in and no thief comes in. I don't have to like they did in the Mosaic Tabernacle bring forth a, a, a sacrifice of some lamb or some 
goat or some bird to, to, to take care of my sins because Jesus himself already took care of those sins. The blood that he shed already took care of those sins. So John the Baptist came before Jesus and he kept showing the people what was to come. He said, the one that is, is mightier than I, whose, whose shoes or sandals I'm not even worthy to loose or to tie, he's going to baptize with Holy Ghost and with fire. So you have that spirit. And John preached, get baptized that your sins would be remitted or forgiven. And then he also required that you repent. But he didn't say bring a sacrifice. He said, change your ways. Change your ways. It is enough. I, I am preparing a way that you don't understand. And technically, John probably didn't either. Neither do I. But I know that the Lord has told me that I need to share this message with all of you. Because I'm supposed to be preparing the way for the Lord. And I will tell you that the Lord, when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. You need to get baptized so that your sins are remitted. But you need to repent. He didn't say bring a turtle dove. He didn't say bring a sheep, an unblemished uh, animal of some kind. He said, repent, change your ways. So that leads us obviously to the one who fulfilled all of these elements. It brings us to our Messiah. It brings us to Christ, to Jesus. And Jesus connected with John the Baptist, not merely because he was his cousin, but there was a very important uh, event that they shared where Jesus came to John and said, hey, cuz, you need to baptize me. And John the Baptist was like, no, 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 no. I, I need to be baptized by you. I've been telling everybody that we're supposed to get baptized with the Holy Ghost by you. I need to get baptized by you. No. In order to fulfill all righteousness, I need to be baptized by you. What happened at the event when he got baptized? There's a couple things, but one major thing that really is about that spirit. It says that John saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. Not that he was a dove. He descended, you know, like a dove, you know, descends. Well, it was like the spirit of God was descending upon him. And then there was a voice heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So there was a declaration there. There was a, 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 an affirmation of who the identity of this man is, but it was tied integrally to the Spirit of God. And right after that moment, anybody remember what happened after the baptism of Jesus? What happened right after that? Why? Why did Jesus go into the mill right after he was baptized by his cousin? To be tested. But it says specifically, it says that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. So wait a second. Didn't we see that Spirit aspect leading, instructing, guiding? And now he's doing the same. So Jesus was led in all respect. Because it says in John chapter 3, I think in verse 30 something, that he was given the Spirit without measure without restriction, without constraint. And so that in everything he did, he was led of the Lord. So there's your spirit aspect with him. Now we, we continue with the water aspect in that he was baptized by John. 
for the purpose of fulfilling all righteousness. And he also commanded his disciples to be baptized in water. And where's the blood in regards to Jesus? On the cross. Even more than the cross. What happened right before the cross? The night, the morning, right before he got the cross, he was whipped to shreds. He was put a crown of thorns on his head. And he was beaten to a bloody pulp. Before he ever took the cross, he was already bleeding profusely through his back and his face and his head. And blood was gushing and pouring. So yeah, I clearly see the spirit, the water, and the blood all through his ministry. But what one thing that I add to this message was not originally my message, but I add to this message the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, obviously he was, he was bloodied and, and, and all. He was on the cross. They were mocking him. They had already scourged him. They were mocking him. They were challenging him. If you be the son of God, take yourself off on the cross. And he, and he was struggling on that cross and he was gasping, trying to push himself up, trying to get breath, trying to get air. He wouldn't take the, the water with the vinegar. The centurion did something. Anybody remember? He stabbed him in the side, but what happened after he stabbed him in the side? What came out? Water and blood. And it was with the water and the blood that he then said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So in the midst of all of that, I see all the elements, specifically through his ministry, yeah, the spirit, the water, and blood, but when he went to the cross, the water and the blood whips came out of him. And he already told the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then, where's the spirit? It says right at the end, and he gave up his spirit. So I see the spirit in the water right there on the day of his crucifixion. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And you're right, Brother Don. Jesus fulfilled all of those things. The spirit, the water, the blood that we see foreshadowed from the very beginning, seeded through all of the different accounts, the different major uh, stories, the themes are always there, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And then you have the new covenant is now instituted. No longer are we under the old covenant. We don't have to give sacrifices of animals anymore. We don't have a brazen labor to wash our hands with. But that water is still the separating element in the Old Covenant. The blood is still that covering element in the Old Covenant. The Spirit is still the leading, guiding, instructing element that it was in the Old Covenant. It's also in the New Covenant. So the Jewish apostles come into the picture and it says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets 
of which Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. John the Baptist was a prophet, and many others before him were a prophet. Jesus continued the ministry of John the Baptist and required and commanded that the apostles continue the ministry as he was ascending into heaven. Continue the ministry. He taught them for 40 days things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Taught them what to say, taught them what to do. And they went out and did it. And so on the day of Pentecost, we see the Jewish apostles and the rest of the 120 that were with them receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, fulfilling that requirement as well. On that very day, Peter stood up and preached the first time the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of this new covenant. And 3,000 souls that day were baptized in the name of Jesus so that their sins are forgiven. And he said there was a promise connected to that, that you and your children and any that are afar off that call upon the name of the Lord shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we see the spirit and the water and the blood on the very day of Pentecost. And it institutes this new covenant. There's no one bringing in animal sacrifices. There's no one bringing up or going, oh, we got to go into the, to the, to the, to the uh, ceremony, the, the courts so that we can get, go to the brazen labor. No, 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 no. You need to go to the waters of baptism. In the name of Jesus, so that your sins would be forgiven, because it's the blood and the water that came out of Jesus when he was pierced. It's through the blood and the water that your sins are forgiven. And then, just like in the Mosaic Exodus, with the blood and the water, you entered into a new life away from. Egyptian slavery and bondage so that you can be led by the cloud by day and a fire by night. Now, it's not literal anymore because that was for back then, but now it's we are led of the Spirit of God. It's littered all throughout the scriptures. And we see the differing precedents that were set in Acts chapter 2. We just went over that. Then it was preached again to the Samaritans. Philip went about ministering. Philip went about ministering to the Samaritans who were half Jews. They were looked down upon by the Jews. But he preached to them the gospel. He preached to them Jesus and they believed. Not only did they believe, they got baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Peter and John were sent from Jerusalem so that they could pray for them and so that they could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So you see the spirit, the water, and the blood. They needed to repent. They needed to get baptized. They needed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The spirit, the water, and the blood cannot be separated because we choose to separate them. Because we choose to pick one over the other. A lot of people pick, well, I'll repent, I'll change my ways, I'll get baptized. I don't know about the gift of the Holy Ghost, that, that's not really for everybody. Yes, it is for those that are willing to call upon the name of the Lord for their salvation and their deliverance. The promise is for you and your children. It's for all that call upon the name of the Lord. 
Then we see the Ethiopian, or we could talk about the Ethiopian, but I, I, I usually go to, to, to Paul. Paul was blinded on the Damascus road. He couldn't see anymore, but he saw Jesus. He was blinded by the light and the glory that was found in the face of Jesus Christ. And he was literally blinded. And he had to wait in Damascus for a man named Ananias to come and lay his hands on him so that he could receive his sight and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when Paul recounts the fact of his own conversion, he says later on at the end of Acts chapter 19, or was it 19? Uh... Maybe, yeah, I guess it was Acts chapter 19. He recounts how he himself entered the waters of baptism so that his sins would be taken care of and he called upon the name of the Lord. But Ananias said he specifically went there so that he would receive his sight and that he would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All the elements are there with Paul as well. Then we come to the Corinthian or um, the... Uh, Peter ministering to the Gentiles, not the Corinthians. Peter ministering to the Gentiles, Cornelius. That's the C I was looking for, not Corinthians, but Cornelius. And he ministers to his household, the Gentiles, and his wife, and his children, and his servants. And they all, while Peter's talking about Jesus, he's not even telling them that they need to repent, or that they need to get baptized, or that they need to receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost falls on them. He's just telling them about Jesus and who he was. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says, who am I that I should forbid that they should be baptized in the name of the Lord? And they were also baptized in the name of the Lord. So the spirit, the water, and the blood was there as well. Because they were already living a repentant life. If you listen to the, the descriptions of Cornelius, he was a, a devout man of God. He was praying to God. He gave alms. He was he reaching out to the poor. I mean, he was living a devoted life, but he still needed to be told what he needed to do or what he ought to do. And so Peter came and told him what he ought to do and he barely even said anything and the Spirit of God took over. And then we also see when Paul ministers to the apparent disciples. They, he, I mean, he's talking with them. He's, everything's going great. And then as they were talking, he's like, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. What, when you believed, did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? They said, I what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. So they hadn't received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They might have had the verbiage, but something was off. And then it was, they said, well, wait a second. When you first believed, were you baptized? He said, yeah, well, we were baptized in the baptism of John. Oh, duh. now Paul understands. Oh, okay, so let me tell you about John. John said when he preached, yes, you need to get baptized. And yes, you need to repent of your sins. But he talked about one who was coming after him, who was mightier than him, that was going to come and baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Paul then laid his hands on them. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They got baptized in the name of Jesus. And the covenant was now sealed. The new covenant. This wasn't a new event. This was a continuation of what God started from day one. From chapter one in Genesis. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Foreshadowing was not a, a bright idea of man who likes to write books who likes to come up with movies and stories. 
God was doing that. There was a mystery found in the scriptures, a mystery of the church, a mystery of, of, of Christ. So many mysteries. And he riddled his, his history with seeds and elements that if you're wise, you would be the one to seek them out. You would want to find those little golden nuggets because Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this message. It is the power of God. It is the power of God to do what? To save anyone from their sins. And he saves everyone from their sins through the spirit, the water, and the blood. Amen? Amen. I hope you took good notes. Because all of this, if we are all the servants of Christ, we need to be able to easily just share this with other people. Show them how this started from the very beginning and flows all the way through the scriptures. Because this is the gospel that was preached by Jesus. This is the gospel that was preached by his apostles. This is the gospel that John the Baptist preached. But this is not the gospel I hear preached on television. This is not the gospel I hear preached popularly among radio stations and, and different, uh, what do they call them, evangelical denominations and organizations. I don't hear this from them. I hear, you know, believe that Jesus died. Yeah, yeah. Most Christians don't believe that. And, and accept Jesus in your heart and, and, and pray uh, that, that, that your sins would be forgiven. And that sounds nice, but it doesn't sound biblical. It doesn't sound like what the apostles preach. It doesn't sound like what Jesus required. And people have gotten upset with me that Jesus didn't require people to change. And I'm like, what Bible are you reading? He demanded repentance. It wasn't an option for anyone. It was a demand. It was a commandment. You can't play with the scriptures like you're playing with them now. Let's stick to the script because I can give you examples where people didn't, sti uh, uh, didn't stick to the script and they lost their salvation. They didn't actually lose their salvation, but you know, a good example of that, a foreshadowing example of that is Moses. The first time he was instructed by God, he was told, smoke that rock. And when you smite it, it's gonna bring forth water. He smote it, it brought forth water, and all of the Israelites said, oh yes, thank God, we have water. Sometime later, they were complaining again. They were murmuring. And God instructs Moses, don't strike the rock. What did he say to him? Speak, Speak to the rock. You see, because what he didn't, what Moses didn't know that Paul by revelation in the Corinthians told us is that that rock was Jesus Christ. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that rock was Jesus Christ. So now you understand, well, what was the big deal? He struck the rock like he did the first time. He wasn't told to strike the rock. He was told to speak to the rock. And because he struck the rock, yes, it still brought forth water, but he paid a penalty. What was his penalty? He couldn't get into the promised land. That's a type in the shadow of anyone who tries to make salvation their own way. When God specifically says, I say by the spirit, the water, and the blood, don't you come and change it because you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, because you haven't spoken in tongues, because you haven't done this or done that. I require it of it. I commanded my apostles. And if you tell me or change that, then you're making me a liar. And I am not a liar, God says. Salvation was my thought. It was my idea. I knew what matter was going to do before he did it. I determined how I was going to save Adam and all of his descendants. And you have no right and authority in my place to say otherwise and to save in another means because you don't save. I save. So let's take that, let's take God at his word. Let's take God's method as truth because it is. We have no right or authority to change it in any such way. Not because my mom, or my mom, or, or my, my dad, my dad, or I, I, I love him so much, I love her so much. No, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Everyone is required to hear the voice of the Lord and do what? Obey. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J-B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.